0: So anyway, y'all can see the subject up here. Uh, does the end justify the means? And this is kind of a follow-up. You know, we talked about civil disobedience, and then we talked about the conscience, and uh, you know, we've we've talked about I think uh, some of the things that are you know in the news and on our minds. And uh, anyway, um. So this has been on my mind a good bit. and um, the way we usually talk about this subject uh, you know, I've got this question up here in what context do Christians usually have this conversation? And you'll immediately as you begin to read these points, right? You go, oh yeah, yeah. We we talk about this all the time. You know, does the in Justify the Means, well, we talk about it all the time in here. Well, you know, I've tried to get, get thinking about it, and I, wait, we talk about it in a certain context usually, and it's usually the context of the work of the church and how those things are carried out. That it usually winds up as a, a conversation of authority, but it's, it's most of the time given in the context of corporately us as a group how do we respond as the church to this subject? And rarely, if ever, have I heard it talked about in context of what does this subject mean to me as the individual Christian. And based on some of the things that are going on, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to wanted to have this conversation in a, in a different context. But it's really the same conversation, so... You know, I I know you know how the conversation works, and I know you know the answer to the question being asked. You know, does the end justify the means? Well, you know the answer to that is it does not, right? But, you know, we usually talk about what ends or results should the church be seeking? You know, what's the work of the church? Uh, And what are the means or ways that the church should implement or, or... Uh, how do we go about achieving these goals that are obviously set for us? Um, You know, we talk about, and we've talked about benevolence and how we're supposed to do it. Uh, We talk about evangelism and how we're supposed to do it. We talk about edification and how we're supposed to do it. We know those to be the works of the church. Those things are defined. And how we're supposed to do those things, you know, what are the means? How do we do it? So um, we always wind up, you know, how do we establish or determine what means are justified or authorized by God to achieve the goals we've been given? So we wind up going through this thought process that to me makes a ton of sense and seems exactly correct. And I think we come to the right conclusions on those things, right? But that thought process, how do we apply that to us as individuals, as individual Christians walking around, and that's kind of what I want to get to today. What are some of the scriptures that best apply to this conversation, right? And these are, and look, y'all know there's a ton of them, but I'm just picking some of these, right? So whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Uh, Proverbs, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I know, and Jeremiah, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. What does this mean to us as, as individual Christians, right? This, this, none of this really is talking about us corporately, the church. This is us. And so these things apply to us, right? Um, And when we think about the idea of ends or a result or a goal, you know, something we're trying to get to, an ideal or whatever, right? And the way we get to it, the means, you know, the how, None of that really needs to come from us, does it? Because if we're gonna if we're gonna hit this Colossians 3.17 verse, all you do in word or deed, right? If we're gonna hit that, it's not gonna come from us. We're not the source of these things. We are not the source of what the result or the end or the ideal is, right? We shouldn't be the one that generates that goal, right? And we also shouldn't be the one that generates the means of the way. How many ways does the Bible say there is? One. I see, folks. Yeah, folks. I saw fingers. There's one. All right. And is it yours? It's not. So, this is the context under which I wanted to have this conversation, right? Soldiers of Christ equals social justice warriors. Yes or no, right? What do you think, right? So what about, and these are just, I'm picking stuff out of the news, right? What about climate change or saving the whales? What about socialism or communism? What about saving the unborn, the innocent, protecting the weak? What about the guilty going free and the innocent being jailed? What about injustices in the world, right? What about income inequality? What about, and of course I never can remember all the letters, so I just, L, B, G, Q, A, B, C, Z, X, Y, Z, it changes, right? It's been changing ever since I've been here. Uh, They didn't even have initials for it. They called it something else, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, It's amazing, right? So, I understand that Gary's follow-up is going to deal with some of these things, right, in a specific way. Uh, so, here's a list of verses that I found that show Jesus and the apostles on, a, on social justice missions, right? Here they are. We're going to go through them. Here's some more. It's a pile of them, right? run across them all over the Bible. Here's some I found with other Bible heroes doing social justice warrior stuff. whole bunch more of them. Saving the planet, fixing all the injustices in the world, So this is really kind of where I wanted to get to. Because this is kind of, that over there is off my Facebook. It kept coming up in my Facebook. This morning I looked at it for a minute and John Wayne was the face on the same exact thing. This is what keeps coming up. Now Facebook's supposed to know me, right? They studied me. They know who I am. They probably know I love me some vigilante movies. You know what I mean? Let's get this straight right now kind of stuff. They obviously know a little bit about me and so this shows up on there and, I, and I'm thinking in context of this whole subject and I'm like, well, wait a minute, that really, if they know me and that's showing up there, I've probably got a little bit of a problem, maybe. Um... Because really, when is it that Christians are supposed to do bad things? Can y'all all all see that? That says the day's coming when good men are going to have to do some bad things. Everybody see that? So, what day is it that's a good day for Christians to be doing bad stuff? Really ain't a good day for that, is it? Right? And going back, so does the Bible address these various subjects? Go back to those other subjects, right? Does the, the Bible address those things? And I think Gary in the next hour is going to say very much yes. The answer is yes. Are we supposed to let our sewage run into the creek down to our neighbors? We know that that's not what we're supposed to do. Are we supposed to mistreat the animals here on the planet? We know that we're not, right? Right? Uh, we have a direction for what to think and what to do and how to do it. If we didn't, the Bible wouldn't be a complete guide for us to live our lives, right? Then it would be impossible for us to, in word and deed, do all in His name, wouldn't it? That'd be impossible if those things weren't addressed. But they are. So the question really is, and the thing I kind of wanted to talk about this morning, is is this the answer over here on the right, that image? Is that, is that the answer? Is that is that what, who we're supposed to be, right? And, of course, uh, and all of y'all know me pretty good, um, you know, uh, I know they don't do things like this in school anymore, but, you know, uh, I'm suffering a little injustice at school. I go ask my dad, well, dad, what about this? He says, well, take care of it, son. You won't be in trouble when you get home. And the next day, guess what happens? I probably didn't look a whole lot like a Christian boy the next day. Yeah, me and that boy tore the classroom down. And, and probably nobody was asking Mark for advice on how Christians handle stuff the next, you know, for a while. Right? And so uh, this kind of conversation very much applies to some, you know, to some of us for sure, the, one, the teacher today for sure, right? So are Christians, so here's a here's question, are que- Christians supposed to be focused on making this world perfect or preparing themselves and others for the perfect world to come? If you was thinking about that question, you know, where would you put the Christian? Right? So here's some verses. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Um, And I think about this for people in other contexts. You know, uh, there's people today that live in countries that don't love their country. And the world's a really rough place for them every day, Right? One of the things that we enjoy here, and I would think uh, I was probably born the exact perfect year to enjoy a life of peace, prosperity, freedom, and all the good that this world has ever had to offer, I've enjoyed it, right? And what do I want? You know, what do I think about? I want, you know, the grandkids to have it, and I want the kids to have it. And... Um, uh the world felt like a pretty good place, right? My country was the country that was the good guys. I grew up in the Cold War. You know who we were? We were the good guys. We're the good guys. But what have we been doing? Have we been protecting the innocent here? You know, is it a Christian nation? Is this our home? Or is this our home? You know, oh. Uh, Are we supposed to be trying to make this world a perfect world or preparing ourselves and others for a perfect world to come? Kind of something to think about. Therefore, do not let uh, sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Here's a really tough one and, you know, just happens to be one of my favorite verses and I quote it all the time, but I really don't think about part of it sometimes. But Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I talk about that verse all the time. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing your mind, by changing your mind about what are my goals? What are the ends? What should I try to achieve while I'm here? Be thinking about what result. Who? That who wants? That you want or that God wants, right? Your creator has some goals for you, and are you going to adopt them? Are you going to change your mind and adopt those goals and work towards those goals? Or have you got your own? Have you got your own agenda? You got your own loves, you, you got your own ideas about how they're supposed to be? By the renewing of your mind so that you may... Well, listen to this part. So that you may prove what the will of God is. So is my life, my views, and my mind, the stuff that's going on in here and coming out of my mouth, is it proving what the will of God is? Is that what it does? You know, I'm afraid often it is not what it does. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. According to who? Right? And just like this conversation we have about the works of the church, it's the same thing here. There's one way to do this, folks. And it's his way. Right? it's not ours the the end doesn't come from us our goals shouldn't come from us our ideals should not come from us and neither should our ways come from us so that you may prove what the will of god is by what you say by what you think and by what you do so you know these are some of the questions that roll around in our heads why am i even here you know what's my purpose what's my goal what's my end Boy, I'd love to live in a perfect world. Well, just a secret, it's not going to be this one no matter what you do. The perfect one is later and not here and not now. Isn't it my job to make this world a better place? Or is it my job to make this world a better place? What's wrong with wanting to see justice done now? I'll tell you right here, I think about Peter in the garden. Are you all all with me? Peter in the garden, right? Peter in the garden, what's he do? He jumps up and whacks a dude's ear off, right? And why does he do that? Does he understand the nature of the kingdom when he does that? He does not. I see John nodding his head. No, he doesn't know. What, what does he think the kingdom's about? And does he in that moment do what's appropriate based on his own understanding? Did he follow his conscience, you think? Did Jesus scold him along the way? (laughs) I'm kind of mad because you don't understand, you know. But when he understands, what happens, right? He's changed. He's changed, right? Jesus flaps the guy's ear back on, hey, y'all don't do this. You know, let's stop that. You know, I don't see him really scolding the guy because did he know he didn't understand? He'd been frustrated three years with the guy, right? He didn't understand. He just doesn't understand. Right? And so sometimes I think, hey, I just don't understand. I'm just not getting it. But guess what? I got all this information, and if I don't understand, whose fault is it? It's probably a choice that I've made, right? So, what kind of Christian would I be if I didn't do everything in my power to set things right in this world? That's one that rolls around, right? Why did Jesus leave a perfect place and come here? If I'm following Jesus, shouldn't my goals be the same as his? So let's just look, right? He came to establish the kingdom, his church. Is that something I can do? Or is that something he's already done? That's done, right? He's done it. Now I can make it better. By being who I'm supposed to be, right? I can edify and strengthen. I got a little role play right here, right? But it's not to establish it. I don't need to make something new, that's for sure. I know that, don't I? Right? All right. He came to give his life as a ransom for sin. Is that my job? Or has that job already been done? That's taken. He did it. We're done with that. Now, can I give my life... uh, as a reasonable sacrifice, go back to Romans 12.1, can I do that? Yes, and I'm supposed to, right? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, is that something I can do? Or should be focused on? Is that something for me? Can I follow that example? Okay. Okay here in 1 Peter for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated you endure it with patience but if when you do what is right and suffer for it suffer for it you patiently endure it this finds favor with God for you've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps now this is crazy hard right here for me like so Y'all have heard me say a dozen times, like, you'd be glad it wasn't me. Because if I could have called 10,000 angels, that's just what would have happened, right? It would have been on. About the first time one of them licks hit me on my back, I'd be wanting to get that straightened out. Y'all not going to treat me like that, right? That's how, and look, that's, I see some smiles, but is that what Jesus did? That's not what he did. And it's the example he left us. And boy, that's hard for me to think about. Like, and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. Now think about Stephen, right? They're stoning Stephen and he's, you know, wishing blessings on him and all that kind of stuff. Well you know, I'm still a ways away from that. you know what I'm saying in other words I need to kind of get there. That's, this is something this is something for me to work on like <clears throat> uh, is this something I can do? Well, I kind of need to answer that question, right? I need to figure that out. Um, but it says in verse 21, "For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Now, y'all remember that image with old Sam Elliott on there? I had one with John Wayne on there this morning. Is that a little crossways with this right here? Yeah. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life, Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. So, His commandment is eternal life. Is that something we should be working on? Right? Is that, should that be a primary thought, a primary goal, a piece, not, not a, a piece, the whole piece of what we think about when we think about our own agenda and our own, you know, what are we trying to achieve here? And does this mean that he came to make this world perfect? Let's look at Paul's perspective. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners. Say anything about making the world a better place? Among whom I am foremost of all. Talking about himself, Paul. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost sinner, as the sorriest, Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. So what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying that Jesus came here to save sinners, and that by Christ's example being reflected in Paul's life, even more might be saved. Isn't that what he's saying? That's what he's saying, right? Maybe we should embrace that purpose ourselves. Follow Christ's example. So that others might be saved. This is a good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth for there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. So should our end, our goal, our desired result, be that people uh, that come in contact with us would learn the truth? Should that be an end, the end maybe that we should embrace? I'm here to work on eternal life for me and you. It's pretty simple, right? That just doesn't seem like enough. Why can't I just rope in all these other purposes and ends and why can't I just be all things to all men all the time? Isn't that what Paul says? Is that what he meant by that? Jesus answered My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answers, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Yeah, you think back about Peter again right here when you read. Well, I do. And when I read this, I think back about Peter. You know, I'm like, he just didn't know, you know. He just didn't know. To testify to the truth that he's the king of a kingdom that's not of this world. Can I do that? I can do that. He said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also for this is what I came for. Who is that saying that? That's Jesus. We we can kind of see the purposes. You know, Jesus gives us His purposes for coming here. And some of them we can't duplicate, right? But some of them you can. That'd be one. (coughs) So... You know, I think pretty often the biggest problem that I have is that I forget why I'm here. Right? I don't get mixed up a whole lot of times in the how of it. Too bad. You know, like I understand this subject of authority. I'm supposed to be doing things a certain way. What I I tend to lose sight of really is my purpose. And I think maybe that's a problem that a lot of us might have. You know the anxiety that I think a lot of us have felt, maybe even especially this year, right? We want it to be a certain way, right here, right now, right? That's what we want. And you'd be no different. <laughs> you'd be no different from me if that's what you want, right? Uh, which thing about it is, is you probably need to be a good bit different than me, right? You need to be following this example, right? Um, I forget the why. I forget why I'm here. And I'm here to serve and to glorify Him. That's why I'm here. Um, And this is something to, you know, think about. If that helps make the world a better place, and it will, right? Will it? Will it make the world a better place if I'm that person? It will. That's great. Um, I'm to be righteous and holy in my how and my why. Verses to think about as you consider your priorities here. Uh, this is my last slide. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Romans 6:16. 6, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? And Romans eight twelve and 13, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, you know, you think back to the lesson that we did about civil disobedience, and we kind of concluded, "Hey, I'm going to run cross thread. I'm going to get cross threaded with the government, maybe. Likely, a lot of Bible heroes got cross threaded with them. But how did that go, and what did they do in response? Uh, did you remember the image of Sam Elliott over there? Was that these guys, John Wayne? Yeah? No, it's not, is it? That's not really kind of, we don't read about that happening, do we? Um, And so I just wanted to make sure that I had this conversation, mainly for me, I guess, for my own benefit. But, um, you know, as we uh, think about this world and the anxiety that it causes us, Uh, what we might find out is that that anxiety would go away if we got our priorities lined up with what the Lord's are for us. If our purposes are in alignment with His, what should happen to our anxiety? If indeed you have confidence that He's going to be able to fulfill His promises, if you have confidence that He's going to be able to fulfill His promises, how much anxiety would you suffer from? How worrisome would all this stuff be for you? Wouldn't be that bad, right? Uh, are there circumstances that are difficult in this conversation and are there some things that I maybe couldn't answer for myself even after this study? <laughs> the answer to that is yes. It's some difficult stuff to think about. There's some terrible circumstances that confront people and... Uh, you know, some of this stuff's tough to think about. But um, we'll do ourselves a lot of good if we'll study these things and think about them before those circumstances arise so that we might be able to do these things and, and answer those situations in a way that leads to our own salvation and the salvation of the people around us in those circumstances, right? Shouldn't that be the goal when we get there, to those kind of places in our life? So, anyway, I know this hadn't been a, a lesson about uh, what it is that uh, we need to do to be saved. It's been more of a lesson about how we need to think about this world we live in and this world to come and um, maybe dealing with some of the anxieties or difficulties that this life brings. But if you do indeed... Uh, uh, need the prayers of the saints here, or there's some response that you'd like to make to the invitation of Christ. I'd invite you to do that while we stand and sing number 230.